Hello, you beautiful bastards. Thank you for voting. Yes, Yay! yes. Uh, we're coming two weeks later because celebration episode. Uh, we're coming two weeks later with this, isn't it? To uh, complain because the last one we yeah, recorded yeah. <laughs> before the the referendum. So our timeline is very confused. I'm uh, very glad to to be opening and saying that yeah. it'll be a different vibe. <laughs> I think so. A different vibe across all things, I would imagine. Like considering the leading into this little podcast, pretty much started this podcast as a response to Trump. <laughs> like what? the, we would have to had started another podcast just to do <laughs> fill our started, hatred filled hearts with something own else. Crooked media. It could have been the making of us, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> crooked dough media. Anyways, Why? Ricardo, what do we do here? Uh, we watch movies that we take turns to recommend and then we watch them and meet to discuss them. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. Uh, thank you everybody from the, the station for supporting the repeal and also for doing so much good work on the radio to promote that and also great tunes all the time. Always. Uh, this week's film was chosen by Orla. Uh, as you know, because I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> they might is. not know. <laughs> it is. Always assume they don't know. Surprise, a fucking prize. A French movie. Fuck you. Uh, it's from the 80s, though. And I was trying to think, is this my first film from the 1980s? It might well be. It's the least fucking 80s movie well, I've ever seen. Well, obviously, because it was picked by me. But like... So it's uh, I, I missed the fucking synth score and fucking... Uh... And the neon oh, yeah. sex scenes. <laughs> I was hoping for Berlin to kick in <laughs> at some point, but no, he only got fucking sure I'd depart you praying. So it is directed by Alain Rene, produced by Philippe Dussart, written by Henri Laborit and Jean Gruot, starring Gerard Depadieu, Nicole Garcia, and Roger Pierre. Music by Arie Dizierlatka, cinematography by Sasha Vierney, and film editing by Albert Ugerson. The cinematography, the cinematography is uh, clearly the 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 thing that we can show on the fucking audio medium. And the synopsis is: in this unconventional French film, aren't all French films unconventional? Come on, give me a break. In this unconventional French film, renowned writer and philosopher Henry Labouré, playing himself, presents three stories that illustrate the complexities of human behavior. Rene is a man from humble farming roots who becomes manager at a textile factory and must contend with the pressures of the job. Meanwhile, Janine, an actress turned stylist, is involved in an affair with Jean, a politician and aspiring writer who faces difficulties at home. <laughs> we got through that eventually. <laughs> I think you did very well, though. Not one of my finest moments. Usually I'm able to be more... Uh, French yes <laughs> François <laughs> Ricordois <laughs> I think even though you said Richard what the fuck Ricordois you idiot sorry um, I'm, I, I was calling myself an idiot by the way I wasn't calling you Orla an idiot I, yeah that was never <laughs> I never thought you were so Orla why did you choose this French movie uh, I, I might never know why why such a weird choice in your track record okay. uh no i mean yeah this is a really weird movie um even in the grand scheme of weird movies and the grand scheme of weird french movies we've done uh i remember whenever we were doing um 
experimenter and how sort of how disappointed you were that the film sort of ended up straying back to its like biopic uh roots i suppose and i became kind of like not quite able to be one thing or the other and it had its sort of more experimental scenes and then sort of like doing neither completely successfully um so yeah say hello to my american uncle (laughs) um it does actually have another quite interesting um connection to uh to milgram though and, and that movie in general um because uh, Renee directed um, Night and Fog. I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary. I think it was re-released recently. Yeah, 1945, I think. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> the the one about the Holocaust, the yeah. actual, one of the first releases. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I've seen um, that. Uh, and I've seen Hiroshima and one or more, but I haven't seen, like, I hadn't seen this, obviously. And yeah. I hadn't seen anything else. So yeah. I've I missed about 40 years of his <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the man, he's had a very, very interesting career. Like, very varied as well, but... Um, he does have a very kind of like um, there's certain themes he returns to and he's definitely like incredibly interested in um, sort of like um, non-conventional narratives um, like and I think that comes from he started out obviously in documentary but he made a lot of like short um, like uh, experimental or well not, not necessarily experimental but um, like poetic documentaries and stuff he made a lot of short documentaries like in the 40s 50s 60s that kind of thing um and then he like he ends up making like um he was in and around like the left bank not quite new wave obviously anyone who was making movies in the in uh in france around that time was gonna be in some way connected to the new wave but um he was always kind of a bit of an outlier because he's he's kind of um not anti-mainstream or establishment or whatever but whatever that means within french cinema basically he can he went out he went out and he he forced his own path let's say um and i think that was why if you compare him to um it's kind of the like the french new wave or french cinema the the area are divided into the people they actually worked for Cahir du Cinema mm. and those who were just lumped in by Americans because it's like oh, they were there at the a, same time. It's a French, French movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or was obviously like he's not, he's not really like some in a way he is comparable even to someone like Goddard because he has such a use of like montage and stuff. Um, so he's not that removed from them, but he, he definitely has his, his own kind of style. I think. Um, but I think as well, it's interesting because. Um, I'm going to butcher his name now. Laborie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, Laborie was, was kind of similar. He didn't really... He was, you know, he's this sort of, like, strange hybrid of, um, of uh, like, physician and, um, like, he was a doctor, but then also he was a philosopher. But he didn't really play within his field either. He was kind of outside of, like, the establishment, outside of, kind of, the academic field and everything. And I don't know how much he published or anything. Um, so, in a way, it's kind of interesting that these two people coming together, and it feels like a strangely good fit for, like, the time and who these two strange men were. So, uh, unexpected uh, fitting kind of mix, much like... Uh... Uh, last week's uh, Samuel Beckett. Um... Yeah, somehow. Yeah, I think so. Although I forgot to look that up then, of course. But uh, but I will. And Buster Keaton. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just to, in case anyone didn't yeah. know what we're talking about there. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like this this is very, it is a, an odd movie in a way, but uh, it's also just fascinating and really kind of audacious as well. Like it, it's very funny, like very... Like really, like the these like strange melodramatic little kind of like vignettes tied together by this like 
you know, sort of strange scientist. Um, it, it, when you write it down on paper, you kind of think, like, there's no way that this could work. Like, these weird characters, well, not weird, they're really in a way sort of like just standard people. Like, they're um, kind of caught in their sort of like unsatisfying, melodramatic lives. Like, you know, um, and then observed um like sort of formally by this like you know real life philosopher like when you say that sounds ridiculous but i think it works incredibly well like all these strange elements like they combine together and it creates like i think kind of a very humanist piece um because it's like it is hilarious but it's also it's quite melancholy and but also very moving i think it's like and i'm kind of like almost um without your your no, your knowing that it's happening like i think by the time you get to the final third of the movie you realize that you're despite the fact that you're constantly being brought out of the like the narrative you know even though the narrative is like you know relatively itself is relatively conventional here it's more like the way he sort of represents it but um you kind of end up sort of like liking these odd characters um i was thinking though um when i was watching i was like i was wondering whether because like I I watched this like last year, so it's not even the you know I watched it when I was very young or anything. But I was wondering whether this is the kind of film that begins to me more um, and less abstract the older you get, and like the more yeah. aware you become of like you know the realities of like old life and like the how the older you get, the more of your like dreams, let's say, you let go of because like oh I'm never going to achieve that or whatever. Like and I was wondering about that and I wonder what it would be like to watch this as a young person and then watch it like say five ten years later and what would yeah. the difference be and what you would take from it that would be different. Like I think this is a movie that you could kind of age with if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Like some really just fascinating lines as well in this, like the whole thing of like you know America doesn't exist. I know I've been there. Um, <laughs> That's um, such a fucking Herzog line. It is. Yeah, it's a lot of Herzog. Um, he, yeah, I just I think it's that just, kind of semi nonsensical statement that yeah. somehow makes sense. <laughs> somehow because... makes sense in this movie, and when it's said by someone like Werner Herzog, and I think that like there's something also just as a side note, this like the way that they shoot um, your man where he's just sitting in the, like clearly in his office it's very formal it did make me think a lot of Kyle Sagan um, oh yeah yeah and that the 80s the 80s hair like you know everything other than the fact that he's French um, he needed a turtleneck that's what he needed more is he not rocking a turtleneck at some point no maybe he might be underneath that lab coat um, but that is forever my image of <laughs> Carl Sagan lab coat and a beige turtleneck in order that's... to make an apple pie you must first invent the universe um but uh <laughs> to make an apple pie from scratch okay. sorry sorry um yeah just side note in case anyone didn't know this although i'm not sure i don't think he's gone off on any carasagan tangents in a while but ricardo was quite possibly carasagan's biggest fan so i thought that even if he hated this any ties to carasagan would uh would you know curry some favor yeah this um... needed a vangelis soundtrack because i <laughs> Um, no, actually, I was thinking the soundtrack. This is actually really lovely. Um, but uh, I just think it's very, very interesting that um, he would choose to make the film like this. Like considering that he made both documentary and narrative films, that he makes this almost strange. It's all like a hybrid, but not like it, like it's it, it's just a really interesting decision. Like every decision he makes feels very deliberate. And the more I watch this movie, the more interesting things i see in it like i think that you can read it in numerous ways depending on both your mood and your age and your time in life and everything um but yeah i think as well like um 
just we can't not talk about the editing in this like I think he really was a master um, I think as well that he was actually an editor like that was kind of his background like coming from documentary and stuff but uh, just the use of like montage and the archive and like the films within films in this as well I really love and um, um, yeah like there's just so much in this <laughs> like and it's just like I just love Jared Jeopardy so much like and he's so young in this it's just like because you have such an image of him now where I he's was like watching it in my kitchen like the, yeah. i have my laptop in my kitchen and my computer in my kitchen and my brother just walked in to <laughs> do whatever he goes just starts talking then realizes that i'm watching a movie for the podcast <laughs> so he becomes silent and he's just putting around and then you heard that part of the shows up and you just hear him scream fuck he's young <laughs> Yeah, he knows you well. Um, I see. I think I'm trying to. I was trying to remember my first experience of him. Probably was the man the iron mask. Is he in that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it probably was where he plays one of the three musketeers. Like, uh, and nowadays he looks like a melted piece of brie cheese. Like. <laughs> yeah, I don't think life is going particularly successfully. Just the cross holding her back. <laughs> oh no. I do think that the the best piece of casting that. of him is the uh, him in the Abel Ferrara movie that he plays the. The disgraced leader of the IMF, the guy, what was his name? Junker? Not Junker, what's his name? Um, I don't know what that is. Uh, but do you remember uh, when I'm talking about the, nope. the guy that before, Rarely do. before uh, Le Grand became the, the leader of the IMF, uh, there was like this guy that it was like pretty much like a bloated alcoholic kind of guy. He got accused of like being in Norges or whatever <laughs> in New York. So Abel he got Ferreira, accused of being an orgy. Yeah, and also like raping and stuff as well. But they go like, oh, and then the in the case is like, oh yeah, he's in orgies all the time. So of course he's a degenerate. So one equals the other kind of mm. very square kind of way of looking at the world. I suppose that if it's consensual, an orgy can be fun. I suppose <laughs> not that I know, but like <laughs> Caligula seems like a good movie. Um, <laughs> From but, what I know of orgies, they seem fine. But if there ever was a... Like, is the weird thing of... Uh, we need to move to Silicon Valley. Abel Ferrara is the the two best combinations of actor and director recently uh, have popped up is Abel Ferrara with uh, Shahad Depardieu and Abel Ferrara with Willem Dafoe playing Pierpaolo Pasolini, which I can't mm. wait to watch that movie. I haven't... Like, it's been out for a while, but, like, I just haven't gone around to watching. Yeah. But, like, I love Pasolini, which would be, like, a pick in the future. But uh, that is an interesting, interesting casting. kind of thing. And as well, like, is the, if there's somebody that I want to see doing the biopic of Pasolini, Isabel Ferrer. <laughs> well, sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, Your first uh, interaction with Gerard uh, Depardieu was well, yeah. the man with the air mask. <laughs> um, yeah, so I kind of only really have the older kind of like early 90s onwards vision yeah. of him where he kind of becomes like a bit of a joke even though I don't know how serious he was really to begin with but you know like it, obviously like at the time when this came out he would have been quite a big star um, sorry so Ricardo what did you think of the movie? <laughs> oh yes just uh, as a side note uh, bring it to uh, Carl Sagan <laughs> and Vangelis <laughs> the, uh, you mentioned is that my second introduction to no Quite possibly my first introduction, actually, before now that I think about it, was watching 1492 Conquest of Paradise, the, the terrible Ridley Scott movie about Christopher Columbus. Uh-huh. That the soundtrack <laughs> is amazing with, with like Vangelis soundtrack. Yeah. That like 
fucking every time that they put it into like a BBC montage of Wimbledon or something, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. You know what I mean? That is like the kind of epic music that is like I two champions. They come. got a new like music producer now, so it's all trendy now. But uh, oh, it's not fucking Hans Zimmer anymore. No, like every time, sadly not. It's like that's guy's job now. It's no longer strawberries and creams. Wimbledon time is the fucking Inception horn. <laughs> You have a very interesting idea what the BBC is. <laughs> Anyways. The BBC. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention before going in is a pet peeve of mine doing the these uh, the the sheets uh, for the films like uh, for the audience members that don't know, even though we rattle on about it nearly every. You episode, rattle on about it. That I. <laughs> I made the, like, I get all the information for the, who's, like, the cast and crew and the synopsis for our cheat sheets so we can refer to them as where... When we invariably forget their names. And uh, in this one, it's one of the few times that they only have the director, producer, writers and cast in the whole of the Wikipedia page, considering this is a pretty big movie. Yeah. And I think that is so unfair. It's like, you just put, like, a couple names in the right kind of thing. You don't mm. have to... Is it a big Wikipedia entry, though? No, it's not massive, mm, but it's not some like of them two are, lines either. Some of them are super underwritten. But it's not two lines. they have the little thing at the top where it's like, It has the crazy help. poster that looks like fucking Ryan's daughter by David Lane. <laughs> like, completely out of place. <laughs> I like that poster, though. No, the poster is nice, but like, it doesn't fit the movie whatsoever. No, it really doesn't. Um, but going to the movie, I think that it's beside the point of me talking about liking or disliking this movie. Uh, I think it's a, a good film to discuss, but it's beyond the point of the movie in itself. I think it's too experimental, and also the it's not really a movie. Yeah, it, like the way <laughs> like that it I, is, but it's not. The, the way that I saw it, it, it seems like a educational video on crack. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that they put like a philosophy class, but you just took mushrooms before sitting there, so it's kinda... because it's so eighties as well. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, but somehow it's like <laughs> France in the 80s. So it's like everybody's still driving fucking every, Volkswagen Beetles. Everything is grey. Yeah, like everything. Even the summer when they go to the beach. And the fucking... yeah. Oh my God. Those scenes whenever they go to the island. So, so depressing. But there's nothing more depressing <clears throat> than an island that is very close to the coast. Yeah. That is like... What's the point of being a hermit in that island? You can walk across it. like It's like... Um... What's the point of being a hermit? You know, if mud, if the island of in mud would have been so close to the coast, the movie wouldn't happen. You know what I mean? Like that's. No, I like that movie. It must really like that. Reconnaissance. Sam Shepard is good. Um, I do enjoy the movie. I'll mm. say like that. I enjoyed the experience of watching. I kind of disagree wholeheartedly with the philosophical philosophical statement. I don't think that's and, the point um, of it either, though. Yes and no. I think yeah. that it is part. Because it is almost presented as a way of like looking at the world, and that's why I think that it's even beyond the point of agreeing. Because it's a yeah. film that is open for the discussion as well, considering the how long it's been since the movie came out, nearly forty years. So obviously, or take because philosophy. Well, I think his ideas psychology. are going to be a little bit like. Yeah, like they're a bit old hat, but I think mm. they're more than anything simplistic, even for the time. Yeah. And I, I think that there is always a mistake of overanalyzing uh, human behavior to animal behavior mm. because uh, it is important, like in the movie says, that if only we were able to control our brains the same way of like gravity, uh, that 
uh, knowing about gravity doesn't mean that you can break from the rules of gravity, but you're able to work with it and exploit mm. it for your advantage. And that you knowing your brain and knowing your brain would be able to break from something the we impulses still, that something we still can't do. Yeah, which I think it's a uh, very even... very interesting. But at the same time, it's uh, the whole concept of the movie. It is really about uh, free will and about uh, what. Uh, you do with your life and how that is predestined almost not in the way of destiny but mm. that the decisions are already made for you because of the relationships that you have with other people and also by your the own personality you have and that your past is your your collection of those things and i think that in a way it raises the the personality angle of things that even though you're rebelling against your, let's say, your farming father. This movie father, is full of rebellions, like little rebellions of yeah. like that never really feel like successes or. But the film frames that as the the rebellions are kind of pointless because they're rebelling within another, rebelling to be part of another system, mm. and the I don't. Per communist girl. Like that, in a way, especially considering that the the movie begins with Shahar uh, Depadir and uh, and uh, Janine rebelling when they're young, mm. rather like with the other character, he's already uh, following the footsteps that he's supposed to do. His rebellion is when he's already married. Yeah, uh, I think with the young ones are particularly missing the point. I think of what youth is like. A, it's the only part of the film that it feels written by old men trying to self-analyze their own past mm, when yeah when yeah no that's that is, a good that is a good point actually but yeah again, it feels more like romanticized or something than the rest of the film does not only that it's romanticized is that they go oh it was pointless anyway because you just skipped from the like in Shahada Pardieu's case mm. is that you just skipped from the uh, oppression of uh, backward farm kind of politics to the oppression of backwards textile politics <laughs> that there's no point of chasing whatever the scenes with your man on the phone though and i think the with, oh yeah when they're doing it it's kind of like a that felt more like a wes anderson movie than anything else because even it's the definitely angle but it was anderson in this i think uh, but when it comes to uh, but at the same time i don't think that even though I completely disagree with the view, is that then uh, the film looks on itself that I stopped analyzing the characters at the time because I was like, oh, this ana- the analysis that they're making of these characters are incorrect, I think, from what they're presenting. Mm. But at the same time, then I started analyzing uh, uh, La- Laborette and uh, yeah. Renee of their thought process. And I think that it is embedded in the film. I don't think that it is by chance that, that it occurs that you start not only questioning your own actions and the other characters' actions and you start questioning the filmmakers' actions and their decisions of when to cut, when to dress the the cast and replay scenes, but they're mice now. <laughs> um, the, the scene like where he's like the house where it's a doll's house with mice going around it was oh, it's just fantastic. There are very great moments in the film and like that's the thing is that there is no point in the movie that I disagreed with it in a pure cinematic sense mm. and there are parts that are genius like the ending when they show America and it's just the dereliction of New York in the 80s. The, so bleak. Oh, it, it, it's Jesus. what people fucking forget of the 80s and uh, like 
squatting rights and mm-hmm. everything that came uh, in that era. But that's the thing is that they're showing that, but at the same time, they're not showing the squatting communities in, the, in that part of New York and in the Lower East Side. There were amazing feats of not only... Oh, like the ingenuity of it, of the yeah, places where they lived. Su- and support and stuff. They were all artists and... Yeah, and it's uh, amazing how they supported each other and they were able to fight They're kind against of like communes. Yeah, they were exactly that. Uh, <clears throat> like everybody was squalling, but within the, they built their own little law and rule of life and even for police invasions and stuff together with kids and shit, it's like really crazy. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, a rabbit hole that is very easy to fall in when yeah. you start reading about it. Super interesting. Um, but... Um, <clears throat> And the idea of the, like, the grass is greener is very much part of this was movie. Was there a 99% Invisible episode about that? I believe so. And yeah. The, yeah. Uh, I think Sorry, there's also one about, from the dollop, the, like, I know that you haven't listened to that one, but it is, uh, it is nuts, like, because it goes really into the nuts and bolts of the police action and stuff that, mm-hmm. like, 99% Invisible wouldn't touch racist police officers, like, oh, really yeah. to go only, deep down. Only about, in its delicate little way, you know? Yeah, it wouldn't show, like, the true scumbaggery or somebody yeah. of that sort. Um, the performances are great if it wasn't for... Uh, What's her name? Nicole Guerrero- Garcia. Like, she yeah. is terrible in I the don't, movie. Oh, terrible? As in, like, that there are moments... Okay, moment to moment, she's not too distracting, okay? But it reminds me... I, yesterday, I went to watch uh, Solo, a uh, Star Wars story with yeah. my brother. And I can't stop saying Salo. A Star Wars story, which is really fucked up because Salo is at the Hundred Nights of Sodom by Pasolini coming back. And it's like it's a very bad connotation to make between the two movies, but it, <laughs> now forever in anywhere in everyone's head. Thank you. Uh, it's like uh, in my head, I have things like that that once it's done. Oh yeah, they combine once, yeah. and then you're stuck. Like yeah. every time that I read the word Rachel Vice, I just sing Adel Vice. Rachel oh, Christopher Plummer forever uh, and always. Every morning you refines. Uh, Constant Garden, very good movie. Uh, but going back, she's having yeah, a baby. The solo, <clears throat> uh, Emilia Clarke is in it from Game of Thrones oh. fame, and she's absolutely terrible in the movie. I don't uh, think that she's ever been good in anything. Well, though. like I think she's good in Game of Thrones, but is it might. She? But at the moment, I'm thinking that it might be one of those things that is like perfect casting rather than like good performance kind of thing. Yeah. And, she's uh, in a terrible, terrible Netflix movie. Um, what's it called? Me Before You, where what's his name is in a wheelchair. And like, this is not a good film, anyways. Oh, also. Oh, yes. It's, it's fucking Tywin Lannister's in it as well, which is really, really bizarre. But um, yeah. Is yeah, that where you're one uh, Matthew Good or the, no, um, the no, other guy? The, the other guy with the dimples who was in um, Their Finest. Oh yeah, and also and he's in, not that he's grand, like because he's generally good in things. Like, he's in the Hunger Games as well. The 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 guy with the square jaw is and he? the short hair. I think so. He's like Jenna Malone's brother or something. Oh, well, good for him. Um, yeah, like you know, he's grand. Everyone, are, you know, like the, the her parents are fine. She's like standout bad, yeah. and I think that you might possibly be right there that she's like. She was in that Jude Law movie as well that he's meant to be like fucking like a Thompson kind of style writer that he just wears kind of 
red shirts and goes around and has almost like a bald head and sideburns and glasses came out 2010 or something and she's meant to be that that's when people no realized idea. that she wasn't blonde uh, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> but going back is that moment to moment in in solo she's fine and then when she's required to make any but like fine because it's just nothing yeah. And then at the time, every time that she's forced little to make an bit, acting decision. A little bit of effort now, Amelia. As in that she has to make an acting choice. Yeah. She does the wrong choice. Never mind that she executes it even worse than the choice was already. <laughs> but as in that. You can see it. You're like, yeah. no, don't, no do it. don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> You're a young woman. Don't do it. But. Then uh, with this is the same that is like, okay, okay, okay. Like when she gets off the car and starts dancing with the car and falls down and it's like crawling at the ground and it's like uh, fucking Jean, Jean. But I don't really know it was like even fucking Hiroshima Monomori, he could not direct women. So like I don't blame her completely because she's a Frenchman from the 40s. Because somehow he manages to have the like over the top performances of everyone else in the movie completely. It completely works. Like like, even Depardieu, like when he's there screaming at his children, like, you know, it just about gets away with it. Whereas... Yeah, I d- mm. the problem is that everybody else knows that they're in a melodrama. She's yeah. overacting, thinking that she's in like a fucking <laughs> Oscar worthy picture, you like, know? Did you read the script? Yeah, like the Jean, uh, Jean Depardieu and uh, your man Jean, uh, Roger Pierre. Yeah. They're clearly like having fun with the roles as well. Yeah. And like they seem. Also because they so much aware. of the film is calling back to men from the 40s and stuff. Mm. That they're both fans of all, 40s all films. The, all and the clips of the, yeah. How masculinity is built that way. That I think it's kind of, a, we've done almost like a trilogy of masculinity movies now. Uh, just a trilogy, yeah. No, no, as in like right now that we've done like uh, back to back. kind of, yeah. That is about from Priscilla, no, a quadrilogy. Because mm. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, uh, what was the one before that? So between Green Room, yeah, uh, Priscilla like... Queen of the Desert, Seconds, and uh, The General, and now this, they're kind of all an examination of masculinity and mm, where it comes from. And <clears throat> has, like, it's part in them, like in identity. And yeah, and I think like when he chooses to use the different scenes as well are just like perfectly placed. Yeah. It's always just like a frame or two, like of, of exactly how they see themselves and how they like, oh. What it, it feels, it's like the, the, the short paragraph of inner monologue in a novel. Yeah. That you can see how the person feels in a very lyrical way mm. without calling attention to it too much. Or but, without them having to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah. It's like an, when an author uses a metaphor to tell you how a character feels that is not spelling out the mm. thought Something process like of the... Something the difference between novels and, and films and how, like, there are some filmmakers that are able to, like, communicate that, like, depth of, of like, feeling and emotion without using dialogue or without, like, really shoving it down your face. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I think that there are not as many movies where you can get away with the insertion of this kind of, like, content. But, um, well, like, it, this movie is the very capable walking that thin line between yeah. the melodramatic statements of the three stories that it portrays to the philosophical and psychological statements that are 
being demonstrated within those movies that it's really like three movies within themselves and mm. then uh, being the fourth movie being played back to the audience that is not intended by the director or the writer to how the audience will take this information and knowing uh, Renee's uh, understanding of posterity mm. and coming at the, the end of his career this movie that it is clear like it's at the very the, end of the year not near the end but like at the last mm. kind of hurrah like if he was already making movies in the 40s he would have been born in the 20s at least i don't think though night and fog actually came out in the 40s i think it might have been the 50s and night and fog i think was 1947 if i remember really let me just have that yeah, uh, 1956. So uh, he oh, might yeah. have been young. More like I know, th- I know that he made films up to the 90s. So mm. uh, would have been all right. I remember one. I know that we've been in a lot of tangents, but I remember somebody trying to talk about Night and Fog completely drunk on a night out. Like some like <laughs> random guy. I was talking like I some- would say, who does that? But that sounds like something you would do. No, I think that so. we were talking about documentaries at the time, and somebody mentioned OJ Made Amer- in America, mm. like long form and then i mentioned showa and they said like oh the they started trying to talk about night and fog mm. and between in the in the haze of alcoholism uh he started talking about night and day <laughs> <laughs> and the it was Tom Cruise movie yeah. with cameron diaz but he was talking about uh fucking night and fog like what happens in night and fog kept calling it night and day and because i was really drunk i was like did i miss that bit in night and day because i fell asleep for a bit in the cinema when i watched it it's like great movie oh, great movie by the way yeah. a lot of charisma on that screen um <laughs> you've got to stop like taking the lightest of all candy floss and like linking it in my mind with the darkest <laughs> ravages of humanity because I will now never be able to look at Tom Cruise's face. It already has darkness behind his smile. Like, <laughs> I didn't need that. But uh, anyways. You are welcome. Anyways, what were you saying? What was I saying? Well, the, like you can tell that it, like knowing uh, Renee's understanding of posterity uh, because from my understanding again like I said I only seen the war, his early work like mm. Night and Fog and uh, Hiroshima Monomore that uh, Monomore that he was always concerned about um, legacy and this movie is very much concerned about legacy as mm. well and like how people viewed their own legacies. Even sure the Purdue decides to commit suicide because he gets demoted. Yeah. Uh, because he's like, oh, if I wasted all of that, my kids will go like, oh, you uh, not only ruined our childhood and weren't present as an as a parent. But it wasn't even for anything. Yeah. The even though it's the very much so uh, I idea of ego because he's doing the same money uh doing the less work for the same money like i'd bite somebody's hand off if it was offered that deal like (laughs) you know what i mean like and for him is such a slap in the face though well the idea as well that somehow killing himself is is like that's some sort of like release of some kind of like honor or something yeah that that section actually um i can't remember the exact wording of what um of what uh says but uh, it's particularly poignant as he's like describing like the la kind of like 
you're in the end you're all sometimes your only option is is like to take your own life and it's like the imagery of it when he's walking into the farm oh yeah that it's it's a when I, I think that the words are when you uh, can't be violent towards others you, you the only, only option you have is yeah. to turn the violence towards yourself and then you also have the the line that the doctor says that is strangely uh, empathetic uh, considering that it's 1980s medicine mm. the uh, the the business party of Janine go says to the doctor that uh, he never thought that Gerard Depardieu was the kind of guy to commit suicide because he felt the, the man was an ox. Mm. And the doctor says depression hits the, uh, the, the boxer and the... Uh, I can't remember what's the, the other... It's the boxer. And the the boxer and the elderly man mm. the same way. And I thought that that was a very good way of discussing depression that is not about how you portray yourself mm. to the world or, or how you appear how you fight how you, it yeah. or or not that there are internal fights that happen inside of all of us and sometimes we lose those fights and mm. it is uh, a very sad thing to to be witness to and i think this is one of the few films that i i think i remember having a discussion about depiction of suicide uh when we did the that holocaust film uh the shop yeah. around the corner oh the shop on main street yeah the shop on, yeah i kept <laughs> saying that that is the, the fucking romantic comedy that is the fucking basis for you've got mail and i once i made the fucking connection yeah, i can't yeah. break we're it we're learning a lot about how ricardo's inner monologue goes yeah but um, it's hilarious and it's like when it's not related to the holocaust like it relates back to the holocaust and when it's not related when it's related to the holocaust it goes into a 1950s romantic oh my, comedy oh my god but uh that that movie dealt it with so like as a plot point while well, this movie uh, when it happens you feel that it, the entire movie has been an exploration of that moment yeah and that just janine and uh, janine and jean uh, have not gotten to that point because they were arguably the most likely to do it mm. in the beginning of the movie they were just on a different timeline yeah and also that they never lost the fight completely in the way that Jared the produce character did mm. and it's something and that the fact Shanino... that they're more in it together as yeah. well than than he is where he feels very isolated in his own uh... but it's also a forced isolation while the other is the the thing that I was talking about before last week's the the week seconds, seconds that it was uh, about um a crowd is sometimes the loneliest oh, yeah. place and i think that this film also echoes that, that that message but when it comes to janine also like she like it's the only real point that i'm disappointed with the movie because she has such good lines and moments that are just thrown down by her performance they didn't even consider that she's meant to be an actress that when she yeah. goes on stage and starts fucking acting i'm like next um, i do i do like the scene when they are on the island finally though yeah like i did like that like the, they're nice moments but mm. that the moment is all about jean really mm. and then when it, she's becoming like crazy there are nice touches like i'm not saying that there's no good work from her during the mm. movie but uh, yeah. in the balance is kind of slightly towards yeah. The, the negative but like even when she says that line that i thought that was a great line that she says that she always expected the happiness to be given to her like an inheritance that eventually she mm, would have like earned my american it. uncle yeah and like that they all refer to 
I, I don't know if it is a French expression, my American uncle, but... Yeah, I don't know. Because then you have also the actual American uncle that went there and supposedly starved to death, like Charlie uh, Padilla's yeah. uncle, but all of them are referring to it. But it's just is that like, just a, in this movie or is it an actual phrase? Yeah. I don't know. Is it kind of like the... Yeah, I don't know. It's the same as... Uh, what unfortunately the connotations completely changed when back in the day it's like i'm gonna get the boat if you're irish like in the mm. in the 50s or whatever it go meant go to america fortune, it wasn't yeah. even the uk it was yeah. like you're going i'm gonna get the boat to go to fucking cork or Kerry or wherever the fuck the the west bound boats went from yeah or southampton or whatever the fuck and you go west and you never talk to your family again well like uh the like that sense of adventure and i think that in a way it's like uh, this movie is kind of a post-western in a way that western western ideals are all about the frontier and leaving and arriving and changing places to form your own starting a whole new yeah and this is about people that would want to do that but there's no frontiers to go to that if you're going from Ren to fucking Lil is the same fucking shit. It's just mm. like that you change the scenery almost. Um, also very comparable with seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And I like ultimately, but once you get to a certain point that is it, is it in this where he said like once you've got to 27 that you're um, or 20 is it 27 that your personality is fully formed and yeah. the, at that point that you will not change anymore and I was like oh no <laughs> I'm stuck with this shit <laughs> maybe it's 25 actually I can't remember where did I hear that, is that it's too movie? late it's too late Alva it's too late <laughs> too late apologize um yeah <laughs> which is a very bleak thought but um obviously all of the characters in this are past that point um so almost they've all they're almost like they're coming to the realization that what's his name in seconds never quite realizes that you know this is it you know i'll say this might be a controversial statement but this is this is one of the few films that i would love in the white hands may i add not just like some studio kind of thrown an american remake because like to portray the same ideals of like the evolution of that but now within the flawed aspect of american culture that even how even mm. let's say with foreign people living in america that they went to the dream they went to become the american uncle not even like a remake maybe like a remake of ideas rather than yeah you imagine kind of like following say like the the ideas that um Liberty is um is like like putting across here like obviously like philosophy like any discipline develops over time and it's like people take within certain disciplines and then develop them like in psychology and everything yeah. as well so like what is the current you know like on this kind of like evolutionary psychology like what is the current school of thought in yeah, that realm the, what is the you expansion know, of this kind of worldview in the globalized world that we live in yeah. and the uh, connected world that we do that no longer America is no lo- even for that area you just saw in the movies yeah. now it's kind of bombarded to you like images of the entire world that's why she- and also traveling is more widespread uh, mm. like people that are even lower middle class have visited abroad and have a bigger understanding of the world as a as a big concept how round it is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really it just flips off <laughs> We're living in discourse. Like yeah. us. <laughs> Was that the sequel to Westworld? <laughs> I keep talking about war, but I think that World War Two 
was such a big scar in Europe that mm. we are. But even like I was thinking about this earlier about like the impact of like the Nazis and um, particularly I was talking about like Milgram and everything and yeah. like the the impact on like um, psychology and everything and like the study of psychology post Nazis and like everything that the Nazis did and like the the sheer like not just from like the the like the moral question of of how humanity can commit these horrific atrocities but also like what they how they bastardized psychology and like it, it like and um particularly around like um um like homosexuality yeah. and everything and like you know all the fucked up things the nazis did but like the the legacy of that across like um the 20th century is like really interesting because so many of those fucked up theories uh bled into the mainstream before nazis were bad word that like mm. when hitler was fucking people person of the year and yeah, well, and he, the he American Bund Party was big in America. He but, didn't come out of nowhere, like. But also, like uh, in the context of this movie, that you also the the way that America shot the the New York scene is shot mm. is very reminiscent like, yes. of the way the Berlin is, is shot in the newsreels, yes. and nobody bombed New York. Yeah, Th- that that's it, it capitalism had, in action. It had literally just disrepaired itself, like literally. It, it just broke fallen. apart on a, a, yeah. a on its seam on on its seams under its its own weight, and I think that it's the idea also that uh, coming from also knowing his. Renaud's history as a filmmaker that has a culture of France it's come almost that they decided to hit the reset in in 45 that that's why De Gaulle was uh, so popular because mm. he, he he was a fucked up character but he fought the Nazis yeah. So it's, like if he's the our honor, leader, if we keep voting for him, even though nobody else fought, yeah. if we kept voting for him, it's like, oh, we are all part of that army. And there's a clear reason that even as a president, he still wore the same uniform mm. and stuff. And that reset button like was almost meant to change the the idea of, of what it meant France to be Fran- and like, French, the, yeah. finally have the... Uh, liberté, legalité, and fraternité. I think that's what, like, what you're saying about it being remade in the American context um, is so interesting because, yeah. like, they are two countries. Like, obviously, France hasn't tried to reset itself again since. But, like, the idea of like, um, like America, well, hmm. <laughs> with its incoming far right, uh, who knows? But like, the idea of like America's constant resetting of like yeah. what it is and what it means to be American, like particularly now as we feel very much so that we are in the like on the very precipice of what could be complete disaster or complete rebirth, um, which is super interesting but also terrifying because you know yeah. nuclear weapons. Um. <laughs> it's like I can't remember what was the that guy that that is the the Croatian film critic or like uh, you um, Baltic film critic that is. Like Jin, what was it? Can I remember that he said that the way to fix American uh, culture is that everybody is allowed to vote in for the American president except the Americans. Because <laughs> <laughs> like really, since it's a federal government, the person, the re- the people that really pay the price is the global community rather than America. I don't know though. There's a lot of people in China. Oh Jesus! Um. <laughs> yeah. It's pronounced China. Um, China. And the only misstep I think in this movie, like. In the thing of philosophical, and this is like a nitpick in the presentation, <laughs> it is that it never presents the idea of self-reflection. Mm. That it it is presented as it is impossible for the normal human person to 
self-analyze themselves in a way that it is cold enough like even when i make mistakes i realize that i've made mistakes not because other people are yeah. telling me and like in this uh, case are uh, all the time that you feel bad is because you're getting a reaction that it's somebody being sad so you go like i did something wrong kind of behavior well there are times that i've done something wrong they never had that uh, interaction that I never got caught or I never paid for it. I never saw the reaction of the pain that I might have caused or mm. uh, not pain that I caused per se, but pain that I could have avoided on somebody else's life or whatever. And I felt that pain because of like uh, that regret of having done it. And doesn't that doesn't make me kind of perfect like the, the in the sense of, of not like doing it. foundation of empathy and how like young yeah. children like like not just learning empathy but like developing yeah. empathy. Precisely, the, I think we were talking about it the other day about um, how Facebook because you don't have that uh, oh, bullying, wrestling, bullying, yeah, yeah, that in bully because they're bullying somebody on Facebook, they're not able to get That's that very cognitive young children, yeah, yeah, that cognitive response of a kid crying like Don't when you throw give a rock. Your kids phones. Oh Jesus no! Just give them a block yeah, would, with two numbers so you can't. I would rather have an anything. outcast child to be yeah. perfectly honest. Um, Jesus, like uh, at the same time as like uh, at this rate, if I ever had a child, I'll be moving to the guild talk and be the only person <laughs> speaking <laughs> fucking Uktu or something like a South African lang- language. Like the the one with the clicks, you know, whatever it is. So, like. But you're moving to the guild talk? Yeah, because then it's like even deep down that it is like they, they wouldn't even talk English to you if you wanted to, you know? Okay. Um, cool. Uh, so we're that was obviously of, a joke. Don't call um, child protection services as soon as I have a child. Thanks. Uh, oh, one thing I did just want to mention was um, I do think that um, this wouldn't have worked if um, the philosopher himself wasn't very good on camera. Yeah. And also he had he just has a fantastic voice yeah. as well. Like he, I think it's very well written as well. Oh, it definitely. Is, uh, yeah. the, the argument. But he delivers in, it. Yeah. Like it's yeah. The even though the arguments I'm uh, strongly opposed of they're interesting enough and not malignant enough to uh for me to get like triggered well, it's the, quote unquote. Well, the thing is as well is that like he he is very strongly a yeah. philosopher you know what i mean that like this is never given as a kind of a like he's not a preacher yeah like this is and it comes from a, a, a the right place that like mm. a, a, even how the, he says that if they only were able to understand what's going on in their brains when these situations happen mm. it would be a lot easier to deal with them you know mm. and then as a final thought as well what the fuck is up with the french and hunting every single french movie they're like they're just hunting around every single one i don't know i can't answer that question we'll get a french person on and ask them uh yeah so Ricardo, what was your favorite thing i think it's the structure of the movie in itself mm. and the whole conceit uh the idea and of making it it is like quite unique in its um in its inception and its uh delivery and how formal it is and how it sticks to its guns uh what you mentioned about experimenter mm. like it does uh, i see the connection that you made uh, that this movie could I have just like love Peter Sarsgaard, uh, yeah uh, the, the fucking beard with no mustache that is the <laughs> most amazing thing I've ever seen uh, the, yeah but then I just flash back at him going it's our shot and Jarhead um, uh, the other thing that strangely called back and I know I know that it has nothing to do with it but 
uh, it's the kind of movie that I like anyways that I <laughs> when movies have narration like them when they're really in your face okay we're narrating mm. it, rather than being like half and half because we need to explain the story use it as a feature yeah. and it reminded me the beginning as in the beginning of the the assassination of Jesse James by the car of Robert Ford mm. the way that it's just also presenting very... like this person was born here mm. and this is the well, story this, of the character this idea is something that you even see in something like um, um, well definitely Amelie yeah uh, 100% is that a French movie <laughs> um, but also in something like um, Beginners or um, yeah. 20th Century Women like he definitely like that's he has a very like European sensibility anyways yeah. but I think like that idea of like um, using montage and like explaining and having all the, like, the characters themselves explain their story like I love Beginners but 20th Century and... Women is one of my favourite films of oh, the yeah, century it's, like it's, it's much so movie. amazing um, a much more complete movie I, I think, think the... Beginners loses the run of itself entirely yeah Beginners but... is kind of half an amazing movie and yeah. half a boring romantic comedy yeah yeah, like yeah. all the things with Christopher Plummer are oh. great even though he doesn't like the sound of music I still can't believe you basically ruined him for me for that but um what's your favorite thing um all the the, the structure of it as well yeah. like it just I mean uh, every, yeah, we watch and even on the podcast like you know obviously movies can be so great when working within like the very very like you know established structures of movie making and narrative and storytelling and everything but like every so often you just get something that is this out there and doesn't care this is just the way he makes movies and this is the way he tells like you know like developing themes and ideas and i just think the idea of like these two guys coming together is so inspired and like it just I don't know if you could ever like get someone to watch this by explaining it to them because how do you explain this to somebody? Well, like, and you are one of the few people I know who I knew would probably like it. Yeah. So it's like I suppose that's kind of the point of the podcast, really. But like, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> there's just some movies where you're like, I feel like people should watch this, but I don't think I could ever make them. It's a hard sell. Yeah. It's like my dinner with Andre. It's like yeah, it's a good movie, but why would you like? How can you sell like it's two guys eating? Like yeah. uh, well. I mean that's different because that kind of sounds like theater yeah. and then you can just make people you know because people for some reason like theater oh, <laughs> off theater is amazing uh, um what was your least favorite thing uh i think even though i disagree like i said with uh, no i do get what you're coming from totally that she's she is the weak link well geez i didn't even say that and then you went Sorry. yeah i totally agree <laughs> yeah i disagree with parts of the of the uh, the, the actual philosophy and mm. stuff but I think that that's part of it and it's part mm. of like I'm not never um, never beside uh, reading things that I disagree with because it just makes you more sure how you think but also opens your mind to other possibilities and I don't think mm. that it's also completely why without other worth people yeah. think that yeah and I don't think also it's a philosophy or psychology without any worth that you just think like I disagree with most of it or the presentation of it, most of it mm. but or more accurately the representation of, of most of it but at the same time it's never uh, completely it's that kind of intersection because it's so specific mm. that if it was a little bit more broad I'd probably agree with it but because it's being rather specific yeah it's, he's narrowing um, in there and very yeah clearly. so it gives you the if it was let's say something like a stick that you're putting down the mud if uh, if you stop the stick about five centimeters in mm. i'm still going with you but when it goes to six and seven it's like ah, i would have gone the other way kind of thing you know that doesn't make sense no uh, it's like if you're going down the river 
It, like if oh, you're no. going down the river and you go through the <laughs> enough forks and you're still with it, but yeah. the more you go, the more forks you're going through, the more decisions you're making. I think we know making. what yeah. specific means. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I know you wanted to nail your metaphor there. Uh, but uh, And uh, what about you? Oh, just the fact that Peter Sarsgaard doesn't it. Um, no, no. I think it is... I don't think he's French enough. I think fucking Gerard oh. Depardieu would have eaten him. There is nothing more French. Like, there, I just... I can't think of anything more French in this movie. And that is great. And um, Gerard Depardieu being, like, the fucking dinner scene. That, like, the food oh that he brings God, out. food. It looks disgusting. It looks like he's mud. Like, he's, like, describing it as well. I, like, I love food in movies. And it's just... Oh, it's so... Oh, this is like a fucking liver pate. You have said the word mud an awful lot and I'm concerned for your well-being. My what? You said the word mud a lot in reference to several different things. Are you okay? The movie. Mm. Mud. <laughs> uh, no, you said that and then you said like stick in the mud and then you were <laughs> stick in the mud. <laughs> but this, come on, like there's a lot of mud in this movie, in fairness. <laughs> there is. And salty, then, salty mud. And um, then you have... Uh, the food looks like mud. <laughs> it's like you say mud. Uh, yeah, so uh, probably probably it's her as well. Because she, she is the weak link, which is kind of disappointing. But um, And it's disappointing. They usually were French movies. It is. And then you have Isabel Huppert that is like, yeah, she, she's never like it. Yeah. Even if she fucking made a movie that is her reading a fucking... On a well, down chair. brown book or something on a lawn chair in a big pool of mud yeah <laughs> it'd be a good performance yeah well she is fab uh yeah so on that note that was my american uncle or mon uncle american in front of me so um mon uncle american which if you're feeling up to it not that it's a slog or anything because it's not it's great but it's on youtube so yeah, and the, with very good subtitles. So. Uh, but I wouldn't recommend it because it's four by three. There, when it was sixteen by nine on release, so mm. it is pan and scan. So uh, doesn't look that bad though. And uh, the other thing, the where did you watch it? I couldn't. Sorry? I couldn't find it anywhere else. I watched it in a secret place that I yeah. won't be. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I won't be revealing. Uh, the the other thing, just as a final point, uh, as every so often I go. I'd be interested in the Roger Ebert review of this. I read mm. the, the the review of this uh, on the way here. Oh, actual Roger Ebert. Yeah, yeah. 19- uh, no, it was uh, a part of his. Um, yeah, yeah, from 1980, uh, and he says, "I've since I got a uh, since I got a newspaper job in high school, I've never been late." delivering it uh, late on a deadline delivering my work mm. and i'd like to think that because i'd like to think that it is because i want to work that way but i don't know anymore <laughs> <laughs> yes did i choose to be this way um yeah so uh do do seek it out it is very interesting yeah. um but uh next week's movie ricardo is a very special movie yeah uh we're uh the recommendation game is on the road we're going we're, on tour we're going to well no. to one turn <laughs> yeah to one person <laughs> it's not a live show people uh we're going to uh, tipperary and casual no casual tipperary to uh friends of the pods house uh claire and sean to yes, record the foxes uh, god's own country if you want to follow that episode and watch the film before it comes out it is on netflix so yes, it's easy to find Netflix. 
Um, I think it might be on other places as well. Like it, it came out in a pretty good video on demand release. So. Yeah, but I only have Netflix, so. Okay, well. And uh, where can they find us, Orla? They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter at The Rec Game. You can email us at TheRecommendationGame at gmail.com. You can find us on Dublin Digital Radio on Mondays from 11 to 12. And you can also find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. And on our SoundCloud, and on iTunes, and on Stitcher, and on any of those other places. We're on all those things. And pew pew pew. And uh, please, uh, if you're on iTunes, give us a vote and like a review and all, all those lovely things. Awesome. Cool. Well, I was Orla McInnes. I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Pew, pew, pew.